Uh, hi, I'm Jeff Levy. This is the My Dog Brandy podcast where I talk about uh, the dog I had while growing up in the Boston area, Brandy, and the adventures he had uh, and the lessons in life that I think he taught uh, my entire family. And the guests I have are going to be uh, across a wide range of people. Um, and we'll talk about a bunch of subjects and hope you find some great information and meet some, I'm sure you'll meet some great people. So today I've got uh, Peter Yaxley. He is, uh, he's in Australia. Um, and um, it's funny, his, uh, his wife, who's also going to be, is on, the, on a podcast, uh, probably the next episode. Uh, we went through a, um, a course, uh, Broadcast Yourself, run by London Real together. Uh, so we know each other. And uh, so in preparation, I, I asked her, do you have any pets at home? And she listed Peter as uh, 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 a 420-year-old in dog years um, uh, dog, and he goes by the name Dave. So I thought yeah, that was okay. just a riot. We'll explore it with her. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was just, uh, uh, just, just funny. So um, uh, let's jump in. So thanks a lot for taking some time and, and being on the podcast. I appreciate it. Thank um, you, Jeff. Pleasure. No, this is great. So uh, let's start with um, uh, you had um, two dogs over the years, Nutmeg and, and Redmond. One was your childhood companion and went through school and Redmond um, was when you had your own children, which is a whole different experience between the two. Talk about um, uh, each of those and characteristics of them and what they meant to you. And, and then we'll get in if you can. Sure. Okay. Thanks, Jeff. Yes. Um, corgis were really the dog of the, of choice in our family. I had a brother and a sister. I'm the eldest of three children. And, um, through our lives, we had numbers of animals, dogs and cats and lizards and birds. And, uh, but the main thing, I think we all finished up liking the dogs the best uh, because they were more companions and they used to follow us around and we could teach them little tricks and they'd do things. I can't teach a cat anything. So, right, right. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah. So dogs were the, were the, um, were the pride of our, our family life and uh, they were the love of our lives too because they became family, uh, part of our family. I mean, you know that too about Brandy. So um, when I was in my teenage years, we we had a family pet and uh, used to take it everywhere with us, used to go for exercise and walks with it. And uh, um, I was at high school then and I'd see it in the morning and we used to, we got it as a, um, as a little dog, a little puppy, right? Got it as a little puppy and all the puppy things and, um, you know, toilet training and everything and just watching them grow up from little babies up to the big adults. And you mentioned that I'm my wife's favourite pet, you know, like <laughs> 400. And I think she's referring to dog years. Yeah. And Jeff, it's, you know how one human year is equal to seven dog years. And, and so I'm 61. So multiply that by seven. I think that's how she gets 420 years old. <laughs> you got it? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was funny. Thanks for sharing that with me. I haven't talked to her about that. Um, <laughs> well, we but, dig deeply, um, Peter, in all this. We get right to the background. So. We get right to the nitty-gritty, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so Nutmeg was our first dog, and he was a Welsh corgi. 
the, the cardigan corgi, it's, it's the pleasant-looking, nice little tiny one, the fluffy little thing, or the big Welsh corgi, which are more like sheepdogs or cattle dogs. They're the bigger dogs. They've got a big tail. And um, Nutmeg was a good, strong dog. And um, there he was a happy running around the streets and chasing balls and jumping in pools, just as happy as he was sitting under my feet as I was studying my exams, studying for my exams in a room. He'd just come in and lie on my feet just to keep me company. Mm. Now he'd lie by my bed at night, you know, because I was always the last up at night because I was studying until about 11 or something. And he'd, he'd just want to join me in the room and he'd sometimes just jump up on the bed and lie on the sheets, you know, that friendly. Wow. I didn't mind. I didn't mind. Um, and uh, we take them on family holidays, and and uh, just a beautiful dog, you know. And it became almost human. I think the human, you know, Brandy was like that too—a human Absolutely. dog. Yeah, just human. And um, um, the thing about our pets is they were very well fed. <laughs> both <laughs> Nutmeg and Redmond were both well fed because we loved them so much. My second dog in my second marriage, um, no, sorry, for my first marriage, after I got married, I Nutmeg passed away. Of course, he was 14. I'd like to get back to Nutmeg because that was a bit of a traumatic um, end to his life. But uh, Redmond, our second dog, also a Welsh corgi, um, he would be, um, he was the family pet with my children and he grew up with the children, the kids. I had two kids and... Um, the amazing thing about dogs, I suppose, all dogs are like this. If you, if they grow up from children with other animals or with humans, they're they're almost they almost they're accepting. I've noticed too. You can have a cat and a dog. If they're brought up as babies, yes, they accept each other. There's no animosity or hate or going on. You know, they just accept each other, and uh, they get on with each other. You know. There's no fighting and that sort of stuff. But um, Redmond was um, Redmond uh, was came into our family because my wife was pregnant. She said she wanted an animal, and um, she was halfway there with my first firstborn, which is Julian. We're going to call Julian. We're going to call our first boy Redmond. But the dog came along first, so it became Redmond the dog. <laughs> so Redmond was the name of the dog instead of my first son but uh, my son came along and he was called Julian but uh, Redmond was the dog and everyone, my wife just loved the dog I said look I've got to have a corgi so she agreed to having a corgi with me so we had the corgi and uh, Redmond was the name and the thing about me being a GP, a you know, medical practitioner, I'd come home from work and I'd be, you know, hello, darling, hugging a kiss, uh, what's for dinner, you know, <laughs> and here I've got, oh, that's lovely. She's off to work because she was a pharmacist. She left me some sausages and beautiful sausages, meat and potatoes, and I looked down at the dog plate and I, she's, she's already left the house in her car to go to work and I'm looking at his plate and he's eating, he's eating sea perch. <laughs> and I'm thinking, what's what's going on? I mean, you got the sea perch, and and I've got the sausages for dinner. I had a, you know, this always happens. The, the dog, and he's so delicate in in the way he eats. I just love to watch him. He sort of puts his head down. This big dog with a big mouth and the big jaws, just delicately putting his head into the bowl and licking the food out with his tongue and just gently eating the flesh, that beautiful soft white meat. Mm. I'm thinking, I'm so jealous. 
<laughs> but you didn't want to take it. You didn't want to take it. No, I, no, no, no. I wasn't going to take it out. I thought, no, I have to talk to my wife about that. But um, uh, so there you go. The dog gets fed better than the husband did. But um, the thing about both dogs, Redmond and Nutmeg, is that um, they were very, very playful and loving. And you could, you could rough play with them and, you know, throw them around and you put your arm in their mouth and they sort of pretend he's biting your arm off. And, but he doesn't, he doesn't even scratch you, you know, and he's got these big wolf teeth. And, and then when, you know, he wants a treat, I get a dirty great, you know, bone off a bullock with a bit of meat on it and I hand it to him, he, you know, he takes that outside and he chews it into dust or with his jaws, he just crunches it like that. And I just imagine you could have done that to my arm, but you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, he's got this dirty great bone and you know what dogs do. They, they eat what they can off it, the fresh right. meat, right. and then the rest goes into the ground to decompose and become softer and mushier. Right. Right. And then next month, they all, they, they are incredible animals. They know exactly where they put everything. Goes back and sort of puts his nose in the dirt and just <laughs> smells it. Is it decomposed enough? No, just covers it up again. Goes back next week. And when it's got enough um, moisture and maggots or something in it, he pulls it out and then eats it because it's nice and soft and beautiful, delicate treat. Unbelievable animals, aren't they? Oh, they're. I just love them. They're. Oh, I know. They're. Um, I, you just wonder how smart they are. I mean, they say that um, they're like a the intelligence of like a three year old kid, but I think it's a lot more. I think it's mm. a lot. I think it's a lot smarter because they they sense people's emotions um, mm. so well. They do. They do, oh. and they sense they sense fear. They yes. They sense happiness. Yeah. They sense love. <clears throat> yes. Uh, and they do have a vocabulary. They they're not they know words. You can teach them to do things. Yes. In fact, yes. both of my dogs I taught to do things. Uh, um, when I was in high school, Nutmeg, I taught him to go and get the newspaper for me in the morning. Really? So I okay. well, yeah, I'd open the front door and I'd go get paper, and he'd go down. I'd show him the paper first. And I said, "This is paper," and now I want you to come back up the stairs and give it to me. And then I'll give you something, I'll give you a treat. So he learned, you showed him what to do, and within a day he's doing it. Mm. And he, I'd open the door, as soon as I get up, I'd leave the door open, and then he'd come back, and when I got out of my shower and I was, you know, ready for work, there's the paper at the front door, and he's looking up at me, the tongue hanging down, so happy. He says, look what I've done, Dad. Look, I've done this for you, Dad. And he gets his little treat, you know. It's amazing. Yeah, um, that went on for a, for many many months, many months, years. Mm. But uh, there came a problem one day because I'd wake up and I'd come out and I'd find him, and there'd be half a dozen papers there. He, he's he's going around the neighbour's yard stealing all the newspapers and bringing them to my house, <laughs> and I'd have to go and give them back again. So um, I had to I had to detrain him and say, you don't have to do this anymore. <laughs> were they were they different papers or the same? No, no, no. Because maybe he Back wanted the old to have a variety of content to read. Yeah, that's a nice thought, Jeff. But I think what really happened was that he knew that if he got a treat for one paper, he'd get six treats with six. Oh, brilliant. 
So that's a dog thinking for you. Brilliant. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'd have to apologise to all the neighbours because every Sunday, you know, the Sunday paper gets thrown over the fence and that's back in the days 30 or 40 years ago when um, there, was new, uh, there were newspaper runs and they used to throw the paper into the yard instead of going to the shop and getting it. Things have changed since then. And, um, yeah, he'd just go around every morning, go to every person's yard and grab their paper and bring it back up the front steps and drop it on my front doorstep, you know. <laughs> did you did you let him, like, uh, sleep on the bed and, you know, all of that? Or did you? Oh, I didn't out? sleep with him. No, he'd, if I wasn't at home, he'd just jump on the bed and put his head on my pillow and just lie on the bed. Ah. But if I was on the bed, no, he'd sleep down by the bed on the floor and, um, yeah, we'd give him a bath every week. That was always, a, you know, it was always a trauma to wash a dog. They don't like it, do they? Yeah. The ears go back and he looks up at you and say, I don't like this. And uh, he's nice and clean and they throw themselves around and de- de-water themselves and fluff themselves up. He goes outside and what does he do? He rolls in dog shit. So <laughs> that's what dogs do, you know, right. just to get get the nice dirt back on them again. It was too clean and fresh for him. Right. It's dogs for you, isn't it, eh? It is. It's exactly, what they, it's, it's exactly what they do. Uh, they're just going to show you, like, you can wash me as much as, your time, as, as you want. That's fine. Yeah, you, you, go ahead, you go have some fun doing it. But I'm, I'm going to do what I need to do to get back to. That's right. Get your satisfaction washing me. You're happy now? Okay. Right. Let me out. Dry me. Good. I'll go outside and I'll do my business. Right. <laughs> <laughs> How so, um, uh, how 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 was you know when you obviously as a child you have ups and downs good days bad like how did how did he help you just um, move through your your life as a kid um, and that's that that's for me that's interesting how how dogs I mean I think I think there's there's a, a environment in this in the states that used to be one laptop per child um, and I just believe in one dog per child. I think dogs really help us get through life as a, as a kid. What, what did he do when maybe tough times came or um, you had um, uh, struggles at school or something, just any, any moment where you might've been down a bit, like what did he, what, you know, cause they sensed that. Yes, what were the yes. ways, what were the ways he sensed your emotions? I think just by looking at you, I mean, uh, and and your movements, so they can sense things. They can sense things that I can't even sense. I mean, um, I can almost feel that they're that they're sensing some sadness in me, mm. and w- when that happens, um, I do know that they just hang around and they just they're silent. They just they're just there. Mm. He just at my feet, you know, and just doesn't say anything. He's just there, which is great. Uh, he didn't have any um, partner in crime, no other dog to play with. Mm. Uh, we only had one dog at a time. Um, it's like children. If you've got a if you've got a, a sibling, it's sometimes easier than if you're an only child. But right. with a dog, because he was an only dog, an only child, he he just spent time with us in our rooms, in our house, and. He only went out really when he wanted to go out or go to the toilet. He'd just sit by the door, wait for us to open the door, and we just let him out. He was well-behaved mm. and knew what was the right thing to do. But um, when we were sick, 
and he saw us in our pajamas and in our beds and at home when we shouldn't have been home. He knows that we go to work. Yes. And and um, he'd just sit by the bed. He'd sit by the bed when I'm sick. He'd just wait by the bed. And he's just sort of like a constant nurse, mm. you know, always there, always mm. there. Yeah. Well, I, I had read, I read somewhere or a doctor told me once that Harvard, <clears throat> being a doctor yourself, Harvard did a study, and uh, I think it was Harvard Medical School, I could be wrong, um, where they analyzed the dog saliva, and they found, because uh, I had said, oh, Brandy always used to kiss me whenever I was homesick, and they said, the reason dogs um, want to be near you and kiss you if you're not feeling well, if that happens, is because they actually found antiviral properties in a dog's saliva. I don't know what research it is, but that's driving them in a way for them to uh, kiss you. And I agree, dogs are, are amazing nurses when um, they're human, if you will, uh, isn't feeling well. Um, mm -hmm. So it's no surprise um, that he sort of stuck with you during those, uh, those times. Now, how long did you have, uh, how long did you have him? Nutmeg was 14 when he died. <clears throat> he was quite an old corgi. Yeah. Um, and Redmond was the same age. They were both old dogs when they died. How did, um, Nutmeg, how did Nutmeg die? Nutmeg um, basically just uh, died of old age. Uh -huh. He was paralysed from the legs, from the stomach down from his, because they've got a long body. I think yeah. dash hounds and, and Labradors and corgis, and because if they've got a long body, Yes. Their spine warps a little bit and it sags. Yes. And you'll often see Labradors when they're old, they're sort of walking with their back haunches down and yeah. their legs up at the front. Their spine goes, you know. Oh. And often with corgis, uh, their spine goes and that's when their bladder goes because the bladder control is in the lower part of the back. Oh. And then he lost control of his bladder and he'd always be wetting himself. And <clears throat> you should have seen the change then when – he was sick and I wasn't well, oh. he could see the concern in my eyes oh. when I was trying to fix him up a little, a little, um, like a little caddy where he could put his legs on and he could just pull himself along with the front legs, you know, oh. because we didn't want to see him die. And, and of course, we're trying to keep him alive as long as possible. It, it got to the stage where we're actually talking about putting him down because it's just too awful for him, you know, the yeah. suffering. But... Maybe he heard what we were talking about. He, he just died during the night. Uh, well, how long was he paralyzed? How many years? Uh, he was only paralyzed for about a month. Oh, okay. okay. One month. And, um, you know, after about a month, you know, he was struggling and uh, getting worse. And there's, there's nothing more we could do. Then That's when we we're talking about putting him down because it, he was an old dog Um and dogs, as they get older, they get cataracts. They can't see properly. They get diabetes. They get a lot of diseases, yeah. just like yeah. humans do. Yeah. And and um, you're talking about the illnesses with dogs. And, yes, they do have a lot of um, diseases. They have viruses we don't have, dog viruses. Really? Oh. oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, at this time too, I mean, you might find this interesting. Not many people know this, that um, – in the um, vaccine lab, they, they they use dog kidneys to to make vaccines. So, and the dog virus is called the coronavirus. Wow. Okay. And 
And if you did, because of all these years they've been doing experiments making vaccines from animals' tissues, in Australia, I only heard today on the radio, they're they're saying that the alpacas have been um, uh, considered to be used for culturing the corona vaccine because they've got a good immune properties that humans can have. But I personally have trouble grasping the fact that you're using an animal with foreign proteins that we're injecting back into our bodies, which our bodies aren't even supposed to be having. Right. And we get an abnormal reaction. That's why you get a sore arm when you have an injection because you're injecting a foreign substance, which isn't even human, into your arm, and your body's saying that's not supposed to be there. And there's acute inflammatory reaction that causes this pain. And um, people, um, it's it's been suggested lately that if you were to take a corona antibody test mm-hmm. of the average population, it might even turn positive because flu vaccines are made from animal tissues as well. So I mean, you've got a you've got a corona antigen in even a flu vaccine. So if you have a number of flu vaccines, like 10 in a year or 20 over 20 years, there's every chance that you might have a a bit of corona positive antibody already in your blood system from other vaccines, which have been made out of animal products. Wow. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So I don't think most people know that most people don't understand what's in the vaccine, but I, I never realized that, um, that dogs, were you somehow in the processing of the creation of vaccines? Well, originally flu vaccines were made from chicken eggs. Yes, that's what I thought they were all used. Well, well, they're using all sorts of animal products now. Um, In fact, um, I heard recently it it was the dog's kidney that they were were thinking of making the vaccine out of um, to culture the the virus so they can make the vaccine. But... um, uh, as you know, uh, they haven't even made a vaccine yet, but they're still talking about it. I don't even—I don't know how effective it's going to be. I know, as a, as a medical practitioner, um, the flu vaccine comes out every year, but there's there's many different flus. There could be forty different viruses every cold winter. Right. But they, the vaccine's only made out of the three worst ones that have been floating around the world. You can still get a runny nose even if you have a flu vaccine because the runny nose virus is not considered bad enough to put into the vaccine. So they don't even involve it. So you can have a flu vaccine and still get a stuffy nose during winter because they didn't make a vaccine against the runny nose. They only made the vaccine against the really bad um, pneumonia-causing virus that has been... Uh, in another part of the world, coming around with the with the winds, going around the globe. That's why it, it sort of follows. We get the vaccines once they've been in Asia and we know it's coming here, get the vaccines and they give them to the population before it arrives so that they're protected when it does. But um, talking about vaccines made from animal um, tissues, I really don't... Um, know how effective they're going to be because we give a lot of flu vaccines to people, but a lot of people die from the flu anyway. Right, right. You know, and um, as far as corona goes, which is the current thing, which is made out of animal tissues, um, just because you've got COVID-19. Next year it could be COVID-17, which means 
the COVID, there might be a one atomic change different on the virus, which means the vaccine doesn't work next year. You'll have to have another vaccine called COVID-17 virus or something. Mm. And every year the flu vaccine mutates into a different shape. Yes. So therefore the vaccine no longer works because it's a different shape. It doesn't gel together like a, like a, like a peg, you know, it just doesn't stick together. So the vaccine won't work. You have to have a new vaccine every year. Wow. Wow. <clears throat> that's, I mean, that's, a, that's, like I said, I always thought it was made from, uh, from eggs. That's how they manufacture. I didn't realize, like I said, I didn't realize dogs were, or, or, or um, the protein or whatever had come from uh, when they manufactured. Well, they use, they use all sorts of animal tissues, but um, uh, as I mentioned before, they talk about um, uh, um, using other animals to to culture these viruses so that they can, they can make a large amount of virus which they can then mass produce and um, put into vaccines. But anyway, wow. such is the case. Wow. So talk to me about Redmond. What got you to, to buy um, uh, another Corgi for your kids? And was it somehow related to the fact that you had nutmeg as a, as a child? You knocked it on the head. I had such a great life and wonderful memories with nutmeg, my first corgi, when I was growing up as a teenager. I remembered how wonderful that it helped, you know, nutmeg helped me study because it was like my mate was sitting next to me. He was always there. He used to rub him. He used to lick my leg and all that sort of stuff. And, and I used to scratch him. And, uh, and, and then I'd go back to my work and I'd go and have a coffee and come back. He'd follow me and then he'd come back in the room with me. And, oh. you know, it's just beautiful, you know. And um, I think it was basically my dog because my brother and sister, it was bought for me and okay, I spend more time with him, so he spent more time with me. But uh, um, uh, was the question about Redmond or nutmeg? Was it about uh, Redmond? Was uh, it? Yeah, Redmond yes. about Redmond. And because people. of my childhood experience, when I got married and my wife was pregnant, I thought, you know, it would be really lovely to have a dog grow up with our children too, just like I did. And she enjoyed animals as well, my first wife. And so we agreed upon uh, a dog and she uh, liked the idea of having a corgi because she saw my photos from the earlier years. And so we uh, got a corgi and uh, the little tiny baby, which was when it was born, my first born, was, you know, like a little beautiful parcel about 18 inches long. Ah. And, and here's the dog looking at him over the little bouncy pram with, as the baby looks up at the balls which are strung between the pram roof. The dog's put his big face over there like a wily coyote looking down with the dripping tongue. <laughs> and like, I'm going to eat this baby for dinner. He, and, and yet as they grew up, he never even, they just played. They just played. Oh. And, it, and once again, he'd be the same dog to go outside with the bone and crush it with his teeth oh. and swallow it whole. The oh. trouble with you know, dogs is they, you've got to watch what they eat because corgis get constipated very easily with dog, with bones. So <clears throat> we had to make sure that he had softener and, and fibre in his diet as well, so plenty of fluids so he wouldn't get constipated with, from too many bones. Mm. Uh, Did you feed him but, uh, human food? Oh, only meat. Vegetables, uh, dogs don't go very well with chocolate. I think it's poison. Yes. You know, that, yeah. Yes. yeah, there's a few things. But basically what's on our plate, he gets. And um, 
One little trick that my first dog did, which my second dog couldn't do, was he used to sit up on his back legs and and just so he'd be sitting on his tail. His, he, it, it's sort of like a tripod. He's got his two lower legs sticking out and his tail, because it wasn't cut off, his tail was the third leg at the back. So he could sit on his front leg, his oh. back leg and his tail, and he'd be sitting up at 90 degrees with his head up looking at the table, at their food, uh-huh. with his little paws like this, and he'd be waiting for the, any morsel of food that was dropped off the table. Oh. And, it, it, and Jeff, it never even touched the ground. He'd throw <laughs> it and it'd like the head would go across and grab it and, <laughs> and he'd swallow it. And uh, swallow's the word. You had to actually make sure that you, if you gave him a piece of meat, you had it in your fingers and you put it in his mouth and he'd have to chew it out of your fingers because he would just swallow it whole, like a big yes. lump yes. of meat. Yes. No yes. taste involved. A beautiful, expensive piece of rump steak just swallowed. Yes. You, got to, you know, there's no savoury in the taste with dogs. <laughs> Have you noticed that? Oh, they, 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 they're, they're walking stomachs. Yeah, that's right. He was, and it wasn't just a walking. My my dog, Nutmeg, looked like a, a walking rubbish tin because the, <laughs> because the mouth would constantly be open, and, and the food would just go in the mouth. <laughs> he'd be like a hungry seagull at the beach looking for the next piece of food. But um, that was another trick that he learned. He learned to sit, pull, push himself up and just wait for someone to feed him. And it'd like, he'd be sitting at the table with us. Uh, and he didn't have a, a table. He'd just be sitting there looking at us eating and hoping that I just he'd get a few strap, you know, yeah. s- scraps I, of food. I think that's in part why they love kids, because they see some suckers. They're like, oh, if I nuzzle up to this kid, I'm going to get He'll feed me something. Yeah. 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 I think they can eat, they can eat sugar. But yes. not the chocolate, yeah. I yes. used to eat the sweets. But the, for a party trick, you'd throw a piece of tomato at his mouth. And he, 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 <laughs> sort of, he, he never even touched his tongue. The acidic taste was like, yuck, and spit it out. <laughs> that was an awful thing to do. You know, you'd lose their trust that way. But um, you find out what foods they don't like very quickly. Now, yeah. now do, you, do, you have, do you have a dog now? Uh, what would it, you know, or... I don't, and the reason why is that um, it's the lifestyle that I lead now. I'm very busy in the things that I do and what my wife Tracy does, and um, and also uh, we travelled a bit. And when you travel, I know that when I went away, whenever we went away and we couldn't take the dog, yes, it's so hard on them. I mean, yes. you know, just going to work now and not being at home as a child, going to work away all day, and if Tracy and I were both away on holidays or at work, he's the home by himself. Mm. And, we, you know, we say a dog's life is like seven years in a human life. Well, can you yeah. imagine if we were left at home for seven days well, yeah. until our master yes. come home? Yeah. It's such yes. a long time and yeah. it's, it's cruel. I thought it's just I couldn't bring a dog up if I couldn't be with him. Yes. Yes. It's just not fair. Yeah. And we had cats and we went away when we were very young. We had cats and um, they grew fond of us too. And whenever we went away, they'd almost starve because they they missed us so much. And a lot of 
places weren't animal friendly. Exactly. So you have to put into, you know, dog hotels or something and yes. uh, it was really hard on them. And even if we got the neighbours to feed them, it's not the same. It's no. not the same. No, no. and they, they, I'm not sure they understand why you left, you know, especially, you know, I, I, like Brandy could get used to us leaving for work, but when we, if we took, if we were gone longer than that, I don't believe they understand necessarily why they're, why you're not there to take care of them. You're absolutely right. You know, they, they, don't, they don't talk. They can only sense. Mm. And when they, oh, can't, don't they know when you're going away? They yeah. see you packing the car and they start to sulk. Yes. I say, oh, no, here we go again. They're going, they're going to leave me. They're going to leave me. And they just sit down. He lies on the floor, his little paws out in front, put his head on his little foot, look, looks up at us, think, you're not going to take me, are you? Yeah. You're not going to take me, are you? So the poor thing. And so that's why Trace and I decided until we start to sort of almost semi-retired and spend a lot more time at home doing things from home, we don't want to have another pet because it's too cruel. Yes. We appreciate other people's pets. We've had so many all our lives. Um, we're just going to have a break until we're ready to semi-retire and, and uh, spend more time around the house. Mm. And then we can go for walks with the dog and, and do things from the house. But you do live near a place, the beach, I think, right, where there's plenty of dogs that you can kind of yeah, yeah. get that. Yes. We get our fix for animals on the weekends when we go down. And um, on on the weekends, every man and his dog's there. Mm. It, they call it Doggy Beach, and they all the dogs have a great time. We just love seeing They're all shapes and sizes. It doesn't matter what they are. They're sniffing everything, aren't they? Yeah. They go everywhere. They just haven't, they're chasing everyone's balls. They're, they're chasing after everyone else's balls and sticks and yeah. <laughs> barking at each other and saying, give me that stick back. And the master's saying, come on, come on, come on. Wait, don't, you know. Exactly. <laughs> they're just having a great time, swimming and running around. So you kind of get that exposure to dogs there. You yes. Kind of, you know. So we have a little lunch down the beach, and we watch the dogs and have that's our that's our that's our that's our feed. Okay, we, we get our satisfaction out of watching other people enjoy their dogs, waiting for our time. Mm. At the moment, which would be a few more years. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, well, Peter, this is this is um, this is great. You clearly loved both of them deeply. Do you remember as a kid, I kind of asked this question with everyone. I try to, do you remember the moment when you got, um, uh, it would be nutmeg that you fell in love with him. And what was that like? I think, well, I've, I fell in love with him right from the start cause I love my dog, but I think that the soul connection came the day that, I looked into his eyes when he was on the way out passing, you know, like I knew it was, you know, his end days, his last year of life, paralyzed from the legs down. He could see me fixing up a special device with wheels and a, and a tray for him to, to lie on. And he was looking at me and I could see his eyes and he, he knew what I was doing. He knew what I was doing and he was tears in his eyes and, and, and when I put him on it, there was joy because he could actually get around the yard again because he, he was pulling along with his front legs and the wheels at the back were just like a tricycle, you know. Yes. And, and he was happy for that but <clears throat> it was that time when I was fixing up this device for him and I was attaching it to him and he was just looking at me the whole time, just looking at my eyes thinking, oh. 
thank you so much for at least trying, you know what I mean? Right, exactly. And, and we'd have to carry him everywhere because he couldn't walk anymore. Oh. And it was so sad, you know. But I think that was the aha moment as with respect to how beautiful a soul they have just because they're dogs. They're no lesser than us. They're just another life form that needs love and, and accepts love and gives love. Yes, exactly. And, and that's what I love about animals. And that's why I'm happy to be on your podcast and talk about your, talk about Brandy because your stories about Brandy is just as much fun as, as our stories with Reuben and Nutmeg. Yeah, I mean, he, I've started to get into it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he, you know, I was an only child, so he was like a brother to me and um, yes. a friend. And, um, and that's, you know, I was so lucky to, uh, uh, to have him. I'm not sure how he would get through childhood uh, without, uh, without him. And he was, I'm convinced he chose us, you know, he looked at us and he, I, I'm convinced he said, I got a bunch of suckers here. I could have a really good life. This kid doesn't have any brother. <laughs> this is, this is going to be a, this is going to be a gold mine for me. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think Nutmeg uh, said that when we arrived at the place where we had to pick the dog, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, but, but we picked him because we thought that was, he seemed to like the nicest dog there. Um, and I think the, the one that looked at us and come over to us and uh, I thought that's the one. Yeah. That's yeah. the one. That's great. Well, yeah. thank yeah. you so much, Peter, for, for being on this. It means a lot to me. And, um, you know, you, you bring this um, sort of emotional connection and you shared that. And I really, I really appreciate it. So thank you very much. Jeff, it's been a pleasure talking to you and uh, hope it goes well for you and uh, look forward to catching up with you again in the future. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, Peter. And for everyone listening, um, uh, don't forget to uh, give us a, a rating, a great rating, if you, uh, if you feel uh, inclined to and make a comment and certainly subscribe to um, the My Dog Brandy podcast because we've got some amazing people coming up. So thanks, Peter. Thank you, Jeff. Good night. Good night.